Previously on Little Bit Leave It. Hello and welcome back to Little Bit Leave It, the podcast where we talk Love Island UK in the USA. My name is Ben and with me as always, it is my podcasting partner and partner in life, Becca. It is a very special episode. No, there's no sex talk. Well, maybe. Nobody's dying. And I don't think there are any celebrities, but we do have a very special co-host. That's right. With us today, our very special guest co-host, Logan. Welcome back to Little Bit Leave It. How are you doing, Logan? I'm feeling great today. Thank you so much for having me back on Little Bit Leave It. It really is an honor to be with you for the finale episode for season six. Well, thanks for coming back. And believe it or not, you're not the first person to call being on this podcast an honor. We are not sure why, but thank you. We'll take it. In addition to doing our recap of the final day in the villa and the declarations, we will discuss the copious amounts of fashion, both at the live final and at those declarations. I don't know if copious is the right word, but yes, there was some fashion and we'll discuss. We are going to talk about how the final would have gone if we were in charge. Should have gone. And we'll talk about how the key cast members would have voted on Brexit. Yeah, you've been pushing really hard for this all season, so I'm glad that you're getting your moment, I guess. And when we had Logan on the first time, I said, this is a guy who is going to want to do the Brexit segment. Absolutely. I mean, what does Shia LaBeouf say in that YouTube video? Don't let your dreams be dreams. Just do it. So here we are making it a reality. Does that mean there won't be any more trees? That's uh, channeling a little bit of Haley. (laughs) Series four. And then we will wrap things up with our awards for the season. Yeah, it's prom and graduation. Gotta have superlatives. Did you ever have any superlatives? Yeah, actually, I did. I was voted most likely to be president uh, in high school. How about you, Logan? Funny enough, actually, the same one. So uh, I guess Ben and I are cut from the same cloth and going to one day be in a primary against each other. Or run together. Yeah, maybe that. I didn't get any superlatives in high school, but in my senior year of college, in my sorority, I was voted most likely to be on a reality show. So take from that what you will. Well, you do bring the drama. I bring the looks, too. And the humor. That's like the reality TV triple threat. I've got it all. Looks, drama, and a sense of humor. It's like Olivia Atwood, right? Plus a great rack. So we're good to go here. Hey! So let's get into this last day at the villa. Everybody wakes up happy and a little bit silly. Got a pillow fight. Yeah, I thought it was so cute. I love the song they opened with. Seeing them just genuinely so joyful was, uh, it was a good reminder that some of these folks seem to actually like each other. So kudos to the producers for making that little bit of magic happen for us. Yeah, I agree. I think it's great to see the Islanders in those more candid moments. Definitely helps enhance those parasocial connections. This just was such a wholesome season and we got to go out the same way we came in just happy and connected and making friends and throwing things i like it and the morning is interrupted by what else a text it's time for the love island prom and dance lessons this year we're learning how to tango 
What'd you guys think of that little segment? Well, Shawnees and Luke T are very confident, as they should be, being the resident dancers. And just judging from the short amount of practice that we see, they deserve to have that confidence. Yeah, Chet and Tango was an absolute treasure, how seriously he took it. And Finley also had me cracking up with his dedication to the craft. To the extent that the dance lessons sometimes feel like the team is just filling some content to get through a finale episode, I always end up really tickled by watching them try to learn how to do this dance in far too little time. It's really cute. It's really heartwarming stuff to conclude the season. Yeah, that actually is a good point. Tango is not exactly a beginner's dance. I learned the tango in high school, so I too can dance the tango. That makes one of us, and you know what they say. Yeah. (laughs) I'll lead. So, yeah, Luke T and Shawnice, they kill it. Everybody else does not. Well, I think Paige and Finn would have preferred a singing competition to showcase Finn's superior talent. Oh, yes, he did mention that. But the dance lessons get broken up by another text. And it's time for the girls' spa day. Now, what did you think about this spa day compared to some other seasons, Beck? Well, I mean, the biggest comparison would be season seven during our covid times when all the girls basically got a face mask and some nail polish. Whereas in early 2020, no one really cared about COVID like they should have in this episode, apparently. And there were massages, there were pedicures, and it looked like a real spa day. I hope no one ever records me from underneath my face as I'm laying down on a massage table having a conversation with someone else. Because that angle for Shawnee and Demi was so unfortunate. And I felt so bad for them because they were supposed to be relaxing. I hope no one ever talks to me when I'm on a massage table, period. The service economy of Mallorca is forever traumatized by Love Island. Yeah, I mean, it basically is a Love Island economy at this point. Are you kidding me? It's a club central. It's like an oonce economy. Yes. Hair gel, DJs, alcohol, shiny clothes. An oonce economy. I like that. Fake tans. Now, back at the villa, the guys, they're laying around, they're talking, they've got to write their declarations. Logan, what did you think? What'd you think of that whole scene? You know, I have some questions about English language arts education in the UK, but I really admired how truly committed the boys were to trying to make something memorable. I love Finley's mind map for Pagey Baby and them sitting around trying to just rhyme all of the girls' names. Again, you know, in a season that was just so wholesome, we just have a lot of seemingly good dudes doing good dude stuff. Demi, you give me a semi? Uh, it might be the, <laughs> the exception. You know, even good he dudes got to gotta crack jokes once in a while. Oh, I thought it was hilarious. I also liked how they couldn't remember the name of what kind of flowers you give girls at a prom. Corvette? Courgette? I don't know if they ever actually got it. I think they said corset. They settled on corset. Right. All wrong. It's a corsage. Yeah. And every year, you know, speaking of those declarations and the rhyming, every year someone decides to write a terrible poem. And this year it is Luke T. Well, let's hear it before we judge it. But yes, Luke T decides to be the corny rhyming guy. You know, I'd also say the girls at the spa have a similarly open conversation about the declarations and also seem to be taking it pretty seriously. Jess is nervous to be publicly vulnerable. She says that usually she gives nothing away. So to have to give a lot away and on national television, that is a big deal. And Jess is really growing into her own, I don't know, growing into her own. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, Shanice, good on her for advising all the girls to be vulnerable and honest in their speeches. And don't worry what the guys are going to say. 
I did feel like as they were doing the letters that I saw in that moment, really, that Shanice has kind of replaced Shauna as the apex woman in the villa, in the villa, really giving the others a lot of reassurance and comfort and guidance and coaching, which is great. I think it's actually a role that Shanice would have thrived in, if not for my nemesis, Shauna, taking that space earlier in the season. Shanice is a beautiful hen. They've said it. We've seen it. And so I'm glad that Shanice got to have her mama hen moments. Yeah, yeah, that's really perceptive. I I think you're right that she really has become the alpha female. I think one of the interesting larger dynamics of the season is kind of the way that Paige and Finn, even though they are the central romance, arguably, they never really become so central to the hierarchy of the villa. The social fabric. Yeah. Yeah, they very much feel kind of removed from the heart of the show, which I would argue pre-Casa was really revolved around Connor, Callum, Shauna, and Sophie, and post-Casa around the two Lukes and Shaunice. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Well, they're sleeping all the time. What do you want from two people who are sleeping if they're not, you know, engaged in mandatory activity? True that. True that. That's a deep read. I think we just became a literary podcast. Oh, we've been one the whole time, if, if, you, if you've noticed. <laughs> but we get a quick flash forward now to the first looks. It's a pretty efficient episode, which I do appreciate. A lot yeah. of content. So we get the first looks. What did you think of those first looks, Beck? Well, this hinges dangerously on fashion territory. You're right. So we will cover it in more detail momentarily but everybody looks great though the decor is weddingy the vibe is not as weddingy which i appreciate it kind of adds a little bit less pressure uh, but everybody seems happy i'm happy let's go let's be happy yeah let's be happy and finn gives the final toast this season i always think it's interesting who gives the final toast this season finn giving it a little bit surprising to me in the sense that i would have thought luke t might have been the guy to do it but i also am not sure that luke t sees himself as the guy who makes the toast at the end and finn finn is he's his own man Yeah, I would have thought that would have been a moment for Ched. Ched seems to be the most take charge of the four guys left. You know, he's mature, but he's also a little understated. As our resident Ched expert, Logan, what did you think of that final toast? I think it was warm in a way that you'd expect Finley to be warm and a little bit sentimental. I did wonder a little bit whether there's um, an unspoken hierarchy in that Paige and Finn, I wonder if the other couples kind of feel that they're the central romance. And as a result, people maybe were a little bit more deferential to them or they wanted Finley to take this moment. It would have been a great spot for like a Luke T or a Ched to be a little bit cheeky and tell, you know, a couple of jokes and make it memorable, especially if you're going to spend all that time writing bad poetry, right? Like, let's let's have a little razzle dazzle at the toast. (laughs) Yeah. And then as is tradition, we get our declarations of, well, like and then love. But it would not be, of course, complete without a very, very terrible cover preceding that. And so that would be. God Only Knows by the Beach Boys this season in a kind of like Nellie McKay style, I guess. Nellie McKay? Nellie McKay style, I guess. Did I just like one up you on your own like? Oh, I'm cutting that out. Yeah, I I don't know. I didn't even notice that. I want to get into the declarations of like. Okay, yes. Let's get into the declarations of like. First up, it's Luke M and Demi. Luke M goes first. What did you guys think? You know, I'll say just off the the jump for this whole section that I find the declarations pretty tough season after season. 
I feel like you could write them all at the beginning of the season, not even knowing who the finalists are going to be. And you'd probably hit with like 90% accuracy on what it is that they'd like to communicate. Luke M seems like he really meant what he said. Was it something profound? No. Do I think he and Demi have a super profound affection? No. So I guess, you know, top marks for right sizing. <laughs> On Luke M's front. I, the only thing I thought was kind of funny about Luke M's speech was that he said three weeks of laughter, lust, and love. You know, when I said declarations of like, I was kind of alluding to them. And so for him to use the word love, I thought was bigger and heavier than I expected. But Demi is so taken by it. And if I were Demi, I would too. I don't think Luke M expresses his feelings too much. I don't think he has that many feelings for Demi to express. So this seemed like an outsized gesture from him. Interesting. So my take is that Luke M had a solid speech. I agree with everything that you guys said. You know, my big knock on him is he's not very specific in the speeches. Basically, what I'm looking for is kind of specificity about why someone likes the other person, some kind of like genuine emotion behind it. And I I really want it to be about the other person and about the relationship and not about themselves. That's typically what I'm listening for. And I think Luke really hit almost all those points. But like you guys were saying, I just didn't feel the strong emotional connection. And honestly, that's my view of the Demi speech, too. I, I thought her delivery sounded very stilted and rehearsed and not very intimate. I just liked that she thanked him for trusting his instincts when the path ahead wasn't clear. I thought that was a really nice statement. I thought that was very specific and Love Island deep. Yeah, I thought she was more specific than Luke. I judged both of them as solid Bs on the uh, American grading scale with her points off largely for her delivery. Like I said, Logan, what do you think of Demi's speech? I don't know what the relative ages are, but I just got the sense after hearing them talk that Demi is more mature than Luke M and older maybe, but also maybe a little bit more sentimental, but Beck's shaking her head. So I guess I have that backwards. Whoopsies. That's okay. She's about 21 and he's about 25, I think in the episode. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, um, I guess Demi's just a better writer. Yeah. And probably a little bit more emotionally mature. And a better communicator for sure. I'm always surprised when the ones who live really far apart don't acknowledge that in the finale episode anywhere. And of course, it may just have not made final cut, but these two people live like on opposite sides of England, Portsmouth and like some tiny town in the Northwest. And it seems like kind of a, a, a gimme for them to say, you know, I know it's going to be challenging, but I'm excited to overcome that obstacle with you would be something sensible. Well, they do mention it later. In the live interview with Laura, but they don't mention it at all during the speech, which I do think is a good point. Yeah, and it's a, a huge deal there. The more research that we've done into how people travel in England, we now understand why the British viewing public makes such a big deal out of this, which is essentially that unless you're talking about getting between you know, London and Manchester or, you know, two really big cities where they have affordable flights. You're looking at either a really, really expensive train ticket, which most young people cannot afford, or you are looking at a very, very long drive and not like our highway system here in the U.S. 
traffic is going to be much, much worse. It takes them much longer to go similar distances. So, and the cars are so little. And is petrol more expensive there? I don't even know. It used to be. I don't know yeah. today. The cars being so little is why the swimsuits are so little. So they can fit more in each car. <laughs> that makes sense. Can't argue with that logic. But back to these declarations. Next up, it's Jess and Ched. And Jess goes first. What did you guys think of Jess's speech? I think for Jess, it was a bit of a capstone on a character who, on a cast member, on an islander, um, on a friend, on a deep abiding friend. I think she comes into this show and they presented her really flat. Jess and Eve, hot twins. And then as the, as the season went on, you saw that she actually was pretty interesting and had a lot of like great ideas and was pushing other islanders about like feminism and I think that it showed in this speech where she was able to deliver something that was decently thoughtful. And I think that she did feel like she herself went through a bit of growth. And I found myself more of a fan of her after this speech than I was before. Agreed. Agreed. You know, I like that she acknowledges that she and Eve built their own little world, but it would take somebody really special to enter their little bubble and that Ched may just have been that somebody special. And I thought that was a really nice acknowledgement to her sister. A nice acknowledgement to Ched, who's worked very hard to prove himself a worthy member of the Jess and Eve bubble. And, you know, and I think I don't want to jump ahead, but Ched acknowledges that, too, and that it was very special for him to have the family's approval, especially Eve's. And they both struggle with vulnerability. And while neither speech is quite, you know, the Gettysburg Address, I do think that they do a nice job of communicating with one another. I guess I'm going to rain on this Jess parade because this was my least favorite of all of the declaration speeches outside of that one moment that you mentioned, Beck. And even that one, it was a little marginal for me. I just felt this speech was just all about her. It was way too focused on her. And you just mentioned how hard Ched has worked and Let's let's just all pause and recognize that because from the moment he entered Casa Amor until the last episode, he has been working hard to take care of Jess, get her affections, show that he cares. And, you know, he hasn't had a lot to work with a lot of the time. But I do agree also that Jess does seem to be a young person who is starting to figure herself out and come into her own. But you know, she's still very much a work in progress. She's only 20. So, you know, I'm looking forward to see how she grows up, I guess. Maybe she'll be on TV again in another 10 years. Who knows? I sucked when I was 20. Oh, yeah. I was a horrible person. I sucked. So kudos to Awful. Jess. <laughs> Go back in time and defund me. <laughs> yeah. So I guess on, the, on a sliding scale of 20 year olds, maybe we should bump her up quite a bit. So what about Ched's speech? That was one I really liked. Hearing you talk earlier, Ben, I was curious how you were going to feel about smooth boy Ched, because he was so specific down to the color of her different eyes. I think Ched's a smooth guy, man. And I, I'm always impressed, I think, when they manage to communicate genuine care and optimism and hope for the future, but they don't sort of get like swept up into saying things that feel a little bit unearned. Because the episode gets you kind of hyped up, right? It'd be really easy to drop an I love you there. And be like, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I've just been in the sun for a month and a half and going through tango and massages and there's roses everywhere now. Like, of course, I love you. Like, no, he, he kept it, you know, reasonable, but really did have a lot of meat to uh, to what he was communicating still. 
Yeah, well, I yeah, I agree with everything you said, and and possibly when your final date is uh, some uh, self serve shish kebabs, that helps to keep you grounded a bit in Love Island. The Boy Scout weenie roast. Drag that date department. They continue to underperform. Let's get to Finn and Paige now. Finn leads things off for this couple. Pagey baby, oh my god, we don't even need to talk about any of the other speeches because Finn seals the show. Finn gets the episode title. He fumbles. He cries. She supports him and says, take your time, which is very on Ice Queen of her. I want you to know I love you. Your go. That's it. I'm just going to stammer because Finn. I love Finn. That's it. I wish he was my son. I don't want to like date him. He's too young, but I wish I hope our son grows up to be Finn. Oh, yeah. Maybe smarter. Yeah, maybe a little smarter. And I doubt he will be quite as athletic but or, strange, tall. or as tall, but stranger things have happened. Yeah, I agree with you, Beck. I thought this was the best speech. Obviously, he's very honest and emotional, drops the L-bomb, you know, gives some great details on the relationship and, and how his feelings came to be. You know, this is the gold standard for declaration speeches, in my opinion. Now, Logan, why don't you shit on us? No, no. I actually was looking at my notes from this section and I have no notes on Paige because it's all notes on how much I liked Finley's speech. Yeah, I I can't say enough. I think he knocked it out of the park. I'll talk about Paige. Yeah, I think Paige was very honest and vulnerable. My only knock on her was it was a little short. You can't. You weren't going to match up to that anyway. So just say what needs to be said. She acknowledges how close she came to fucking it all up. She thanks him for making her change when she didn't even realize she had to change. And that was big. She really has overcome a lot. She got out of her own way. And that's a really big thing that we need to do when we are growing up. And then she says it back. I mean, it was perfect. Paige and Finn all the way. Yeah. I wonder what percentage of the votes for the winning couple actually come in after these declarations start. I don't think they release that granular of information but we will get into the vote shares when the time is right and our final couple of the evening it is luke t and shawnice i this is another one i thought was really great she brought up the major themes of their relationship and the whole fairy tale framework she was a little self-deprecating and yeah she was really specific about her feelings and why she is in love with luke so this is my second best speech after finn is shawnee's fantastic job shawnee's and she threw in a 100 percent just to really cap the whole event i like shawnee's as well i think you said basically what i was gonna say so logan yeah i think i think it was really exciting to hear her give a very mature and thoughtful list of things that are important to look for in a partner like like as like a strong confident woman she mentions off the bat you know luke you help me feel safe secure confident uh she mentions them being mischievous esther perel you know the relationship therapist i'm sure she'd be so happy to hear them talking about play she mentions like stuff happening outside of the villa and achievements that luke is going to have that she wants to support him on um it, there's just, just a great sense of like mutuality and a very uh grown-up sense of hey we're gonna have a partnership it was cool to see that on on love island and i think cool to see that in an episode where it's very easy to get caught up in a lot of platitudes she was talking about you know some of the the gears that make a relationship work i think that's really interesting especially in the context that 
at the beginning of the season, this was the girl in the villa who wanted to be a Disney princess. This is the girl who wanted a fairy tale wedding. And, you know, she still wants that fairy tale wedding. But I think now we as viewers understand that, you know, Shaunice is not this, you know, simple, silly little girl. She is, like you're saying, you know, she is fairly mature. She's a young woman who understands what a real relationship is. And, you know, she still loves the aesthetics and the trappings and the fantasies of a fairy tale. But I think she's more realistic about it than we might have thought at the beginning of the season. Or she learns. You know, she said that she's never had a faithful partner, you know, and like part of the fairy tale is the loyalty and fealty and swearing your soul to somebody. And so, you know, I think she she got that fairy tale part of it while also learning like it doesn't just come magically. He doesn't just like ride up on a horse and be like, what's up? I'm here for you now. Although he kind of did. Yeah, he kind of did. Kind of did. Though, I mean, what a great avatar for people watching this show to see that you don't have to sacrifice a sense of like romantic idealism for like high standards. You know, she asked a lot of the boys she was coupled up with and asked a lot of Luke T and the good ones rise to the occasion, you know, the uh, Becca and Ben story. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Well, you need someone who can romance you the way you want to be romanced. Like Ben can tell you, I hate cut flowers. Cut flowers are bullshit. It's not the way to my heart. Whereas other women might love a room full of cut flowers, right? Like you have to find someone who's going to romance you on your level. So another guy might have been like, this fairy tale shit is bullshit. And that would not have been the guy for Shawnee's. Yeah. So back when we were living in Brooklyn, I would sometimes stop and grab some cut flowers on the way home after getting out of the subway. And occasionally there would be a woman or a couple women walking by that say, oh, I wish my boyfriend or my husband would would bring home flowers. And little did these women know, I was buying them for me because I like fresh cut flowers. I'm not afraid to say that, even though I'm a guy. They smell great. They look great. They add a lot to your home. You know, it's a great little accent. I recommend all of you 20-somethings listening, consider uh, getting some fresh cut flowers before you have guests over. Little little home decor tip. Because your place probably stinks. This episode was brought to you by the Bodega Cut Flower Association of New York City. <laughs> Oh, there's there's next season. Yeah, we got a sponsor for next season already. So let's talk about Luke T, the corny rhyming guy. I got to say, as far as rhyming speeches go, it wasn't terrible. It didn't hurt to listen to. He threw in a lot of specific references, both to the triangles, to her parents, to the hideaway. You know, was it a little goofy? Yeah, but is Luke T a little goofy? 100%. Yeah, I think he showed a really good awareness of the medium. It it was only going to be so serious a poem, you know, uh, because of the way he sort of structured it. But he manages to say a lot of consequential stuff that's a little bit self-deprecating that keeps it a little bit bouncy. You know, I love when he talks about the triangle and says, shout out to Rebecca and Wallace. Yeah. And then in it, you know, he, he acknowledges that Bristol's pretty far, but he's down to move. I was like, all right, King, you know, love to hear it, especially after the uh, the lack of mention from Luke M and Demi earlier. Yeah. And hey, Bristol is a pretty cool city from what Jacob Waller has told us. So not a bad move. Yeah, absolutely. They and, you know, you can see them now. They're very happy. They're very successful and more power to them. I wish them nothing but the best. 
Yeah, and uh, I remember actually seeing some photos posted to the Love Island subreddit of Luke T's graduation. Aw, and she was there, of course. She was there, standing right next to him. His parents were there. Some very, very cute photos. Yeah, I thought this poem, for being the poem this year, was a lot better than we normally get. The rhymes, as you mentioned, were actually not so bad. The The meter was good. Oh, no, the meter was terrible. The meter was better than a lot of other rhyming speeches. It was Love Island good. Yeah, okay, it was Love Island good. I Yeah, it was not just so awkward and terrible that you're like, is that a poem? I will say for Shawnee's, a poem was the right choice. I mean, he knows this girl. 100%. It never gets old. So from the speeches, we move very, very quickly into and out of the tango. That that was maybe, what, 10 seconds they showed? Yeah, I don't know. There was dancing. It was cute, I guess. Apparently, uh, the tango steps did not stick all that well. And it is time for that final Love Island tradition in the villa. The pool bomb. Yeah, everybody jumps in the pool. I was wondering. Now, they did this in the first season after the declarations. That one, I think, was improvised. But ever since, it's kind of, right? Is it the producers initiate this? Or I guess if you're a contestant, you're like, oh, of course, we're going to do this because it's a tradition. Well, on a larger scale, I do think it kind of relates to kids on prom night going like bowling in their prom dresses or jumping in the pool. You know, I mean, maybe that's so super American, but it does fit in with the overall idea of how people behave on that specific weird, falsely romantic night. But yeah, I would give you, in terms of Love Island specifically, I would probably give you the uh, point there. I hadn't thought about that, actually, but that makes a ton of sense for why they jump. Um, I always assumed that they just wanted a moment without the microphones. <laughs> so they use it as an excuse to ditch them and then maybe have like a, a private conversation or two before the producers can say, hey, put that mic back on. Do you guys know, by the way, is prominent American thing that uh, Britain copied or is it a British thing that we carried over? I don't know, but it sounds like a good subject for a deep dive. It is now time to move into the live segment of the episode. So the live segment, I don't think we really need to recap that, you know, scene for scene. But one of the very early questions that Laura Whitmore asks the contestants I forget exactly what the question was, but Demi's answer is something like, I'm so excited for the outside world. And just knowing that this was late February 2020 when she's saying this, the irony is delicious. I I felt so bad for her. Especially because their romance really was stifled. Okay, so partially probably because it wasn't the deepest romance ever, but they could have made a slight go of it. It seemed like they were really committed to making a go of it, except that they could not be together physically. So Demi saying it makes it all the sadder, I think. And the fact that when they did that pop in, everyone's like, oh, I have 10 million brand deals. We're in love. And she's like, I'm alone and sad. And also I have cancer. The cancer wasn't even out yet, right? We didn't even know about the cancer yet. No, the cancer came later. Yeah. Demi has not had a very good time since being on Love Island. I just learned about the cancer. Woof. Yeah, yeah. It was a few months ago, I want to say, that she was going on the UK morning shows and talking about it, Um, which, by the way, you know, good for her for being like public about it and trying to raise awareness. So I'm a big Demi fan, honestly. Any of the other stuff from this whole initial question of the Islanders, anything stick out for you guys? You know, Jess, again, acknowledges that she surprised herself by staying past Eve's dumping. 
you know, I, I don't think we need to go into Jess in a ton more detail, but I do want to give credit for her saying that and for her sticking it out. Finn was only planning to go exclusive after Casa, but seeing Paige single made him go all the way to boyfriend and girlfriend. But that was a tasty little tidbit. And I am excited for their home welcome party, complete with hats and the wee dog Frank. So do they call it a home welcome party? No, and Finn a... just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> not a welcome home party. <laughs> Finn's just an idiot. He meant a housewarming party. Oh, housewarming party. And Laura meant a wedding. So I'm excited. These couples, you know, became couples in early 2020. We're getting to late 2021, believe it or not. I think 2022, as, you know, maybe hopefully we put COVID a little bit further in the past. I want to see some rings. I want Shanice and Paige to be getting some rings on their finger. I'm expecting a wedding invitation. Are you? No. Oh, and one more thing. Shanice and Luke T, do not go to Disneyland. Go to Disney World, the far superior Disney park, and a shorter flight. Yeah. I wonder if the British even understand the difference between Disneyland and Disney World. How oh, those poor souls. I did love on rewatch being reminded of the Breakfast Club, especially because I found the season seven NBQs, NVQs. The whole graduation scheme is like a metaphor for them, like doing sex stuff was always really strange to me. I never understood really who was graduating what and who passed what exam. But Breakfast Club made a little bit more sense. And I thought it was a cute, funny thing that they pulled together this season. It was a little bit of naughty in a season that was otherwise so, so good. I agree. Yeah. Season seven was very confusing, even more confusing than the NVQs were the guys soccer analogies about the pitch being flooded. I assume that's premature. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got the different stadiums that they're playing at. I don't know. They should have looked at season six as an inspiration. Yeah. I went deep on Wikipedia trying to understand the soccer metaphors. I was looking up stadium capacities. I couldn't make much sense of it. I know that Wembley is a big deal, right? Yeah, that was clear. Yeah, Wembley's big. All right. So it's time to announce some winners. Yeah, announce the winners. Yeah. So you've seen it. You know. In fourth place with 2.25% of the vote, Jess and Ched. Third place with 9.62% of the vote, Luke M and Demi. Now, these last two were actually very, very close. As they should be. Luke T and Shanice got 43.61% of the vote. And our winners, Paige and Finn ended up with 44.52%. So less than 1% of the votes separated Paige and Finn and Luke T and Shanice. So guys, any surprises in this order? I didn't realize it was so close, but I think that's great. Yeah, the order, no surprise whatsoever. That it was like Bush Gore 2000 between Shanice Luke and Paige Finley. I did not expect that. I'm actually really, it makes me like the season more as a whole. Oh man, I wish there was room for a hanging Ched joke in there. <laughs> I thought that though there were two different models of like good couples, you know, each deserving of consideration for the top spot. Well, I hope that unlike Bush versus Gore in 2000, the administrators of this election did not put any thumbs on the scale. I was a little bit surprised in hindsight. Now, the first watch, I was not that surprised by Paige and Finn winning. But now rewatching it, I was kind of surprised that they beat out 
Shonice and Luke T given what we see on the screen but I was not that plugged into British pop culture and social media I don't know what the dominant narratives were when this was first being aired in England and that does have a pretty big effect I think on the vote Um, as we saw like in season five how Tommy and Molly May come in second largely because of this idea that they were a fake couple and they were emulating Jack and Danny from season four, which, you know, we now know is not the case. And a lot of people say, hey, why didn't they win season five? And I think, you know, there may be something going on here. Same thing in season six. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I think watching season seven in real time and being so plugged into the social media, I think we got a chance to see just how important current running public opinion really is. And we got to be part of those conversations. You know, you were more on Reddit and Twitter. I like to hang out on Facebook because I'm old. But it was cool because we also got to compare and contrast what different populations of users were saying. So I really wish we could have watched season six in real time now to see what people were genuinely saying as things were going. Yeah, I I wonder too if there's something about the woman who wins it ultimately being someone who's like, I wasn't open to love. I was closed off. I was emotionally unavailable or I wasn't trusting. And then that there's like some dude who helps them over, I guess it's Taming of the Shrew. Oh my God, is that what, what I'm describing? Yeah. That's like a narrative that I think people respond really positively to. So literary. I don't know that Shanice was like, oh, I just can't trust. I think Shanice was just like, I'm looking for someone to meet me at this higher level of understanding, commitment, and partnership. Low key, I also wonder if there's like a little bit of a ding that happens for people with darker features as opposed to like, you know, blondes and stuff. So I, I think that might have also yeah. affected people's uh, opinions. The fact that Mike and Priscilla got voted off and we're not in the final, like... Yeah, no, that's... that's. We'll get into that a little bit later. But I, yeah, I think I think you hit on some, some good points there. You know, the other kind of surprising thing to me was to see, you know, in hindsight, the effect of maybe some unconscious racial bias on some of the viewers you know jess and ched being a real couple and coming in fourth and demi and luke m who they don't have that deep of a relationship compared to these other three and for them to not just beat out jess and ched but like quadruple their vote you have to wonder how much of it is you know girls with crushes on luke m or girls who want to be demi but yeah that that doesn't sit right with me I think you're right, though, Logan, about the kind of taming of the shrew narrative. I mean, that is an arc that they do try to employ in every season of Love Island, though the only times where that person has won is, you know, season one and season five, right? I don't think Jess was cold and shrewy. No, yeah, I guess that's you're right. Jess was hopeless and awkward and desperate for love. You're right. And she suffered from people thinking, you know, she would make a mistake and people would assume and project all of these actions and behaviors and beliefs onto her that were, you know, very unfair. But I just mean in terms of the arc of like there's a a solo woman who struggles to find love and then eventually finds it and wins. That happens every season, but that person has only won twice, I think. Though Paige, I guess you could arguably say, is that person. Oh, Paige is that person. Paige is 100% that person. Paige is the ice queen. He melted the ice queen. All he had to do was take a bit of shit. Yeah, so that is how the votes actually went. 
But let's talk about how they should have gone. Because I know I'm pissed about the results. You're pissed about the results. I'm sure Logan can build up some steam for us. Let's talk about who we think should have been the top four. Yeah, Logan is our guest. Why don't you uh, kick us off? So I went with Nas and Eva. So if you heard the last episode I was on, you know, I'm a big fan of, of this pair. Paige and Finn, Sean East and Luke T. And my big addition here is Callum and Molly, which is probably the couple I'm going to have to spend the most time defending. So uh, I'm ready to go. That's a pretty good list. So two of the current couples, two who were eliminated at the end of the season. Beck, what about you? I think Paige and Finn and Shanice and Luke T are inarguable. They earned that spot more than anybody else. Mike and Priscilla, all the way. I just absolutely adored them. Priscilla was such a wonderful role model for young women. I thought that Mike had such a great story. They have such a great romance. And okay, so Logan, you put your answers down before I did. And I actually think Callum and Molly was a great choice. So I went with Callum and Molly as the fourth couple in fourth place. I'm going to split the difference. I also have the same two or top two finishing couples in the final. Like you, Beck, I brought in Mike and Priscilla. And like Logan, I brought in Nas and Eva to my final four. So, Logan, who do you have as your real winner of Love Island season six? So I put... Callum and Molly. What? Actually. So, um, Callum and Molly. Yeah, I know. I know. A couple reasons for this. You one, really hate Shauna, one, don't you? I One, I really don't like Shauna. Two, I figured that Beck would put down Shaunice and Luke T. So I wouldn't have to cover that ground. And three, so I actually think that Callum has a pretty impactful journey that we talk about pretty often being highlighted for the women on the show. You know, I think he like comes in, he's awkward, he's kind of unsure of himself. I think he gets a little bit trampled by Shauna or like dragged around a bit is like, I think she imposes what she wants from him on him. And um, he goes to Casa more and went away from her, you know, he goes out and like realizes that he wants something different with Molly. And he's a pretty good boyfriend to her once they couple up. I'm sure that there's some amount of bias from seeing the fact that they've continued to work out on the outside. But um yeah, I think they're actually like a fine couple. And I think that if not for Shauna poisoning the well on people's perception of them, they would have gone much farther. I think you raised some really good points. I think you're right about Callum having an arc that we usually celebrate a lot more. But I'm wondering if the reason that we don't talk about it as much is the reason that I probably don't think they could be winners, which is just they don't got the bants. You know, I mean, Molly, she's she can talk, but, you know, Callum, his microphone work needs much improvement. And I think the public would have been mad at him even if Shauna had been meek and retiring. They might have been madder at him if Shauna wasn't such a bully. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, that's one of the big things we definitely know is that Callum and Molly got tons and tons of abuse on social media very undeserved unjust because as we all know shauna was in there lying the whole time and yes i think you're right that she just kind of tried to sculpt callum into the guy she needed to win the show but yeah i think callum and molly winning certainly would have um been very very fun uh in terms of the tabloid reaction I would have hated it. I would have hated it. Sorry. Full on hate it. Hated it. So Beck, what right. about you? Who all do you right. think should have won? So we all know I'm a Paige and Finn Stan. 
So on the one hand, like I think Paige and Finn deserved that win. I don't think I need to defend that. But upon rewatching the season, especially upon rewatching the finale, you know, I didn't realize how close it was. I think Shawnee's and Luke T probably should have won. And again, like I think we've laid out all of our reasons. I don't think I need to take up precious airtime defending it. I just think what are you looking for in a final couple? What resonates? And I think that Shawnee's and Luke T's mature relationship should have been the gold standard and should be the gold standard. So in my alternate universe, Shawnee's and Luke T would have won. Well, a very safe choice. A very valid choice. And a very valid choice. Yes. So well argued. Very well argued. Thank you. From a lawyer, no less. There you go. For my winner, I have Mike and Priscilla as the real winners of Love Island season six. And here's my argument. First of all, I mean, this is obviously me doing a total 360 on Mike, as they would say (laughs) on Love Island. They pulled the wool under your eyes. They pulled the wool out from under my eyes. You know, he comes into the villa and is just manipulative and selfish. And by the time he leaves, he's still got some of those, you know, some of his flaws, especially on being a little self-centered, are still apparent. But he makes real progress. And Priscilla... I think is just a great partner for him in that she really is straight with him and forces him to confront some of these flaws. So I just think they're great together. They have a genuinely good time when they're hanging out. Yeah. I just see this as two people who are really helping each other grow. And we see Mike go from that really kind of selfish jerk at the beginning to somebody who is a lot more thoughtful and not just with Priscilla. I think generally with the other Islanders, he is much more genuine, sincere toward the end of the the series than he is at the beginning. So I think it was a real shame that they get voted out before the final. I wonder if Priscilla had been around longer, if they had been a more lasting relationship, if they would have had better luck getting into the final. I don't know. I mean, again, like, Two black Britons getting eliminated. I mean... I said I wonder. I didn't say, oh, definitely. Oh, no, I think you're... So obviously a couple that's been together for a longer time is going to have better luck than a couple that's been together for a shorter time, Amber and Greg notwithstanding, right? I think you can certainly point many fingers at racism for being the reason that Jess and Chad and Luke M and Demi made it over Priscilla and Mike. But if Priscilla and Mike had already been together, would that have given them the push they needed to be in the final four where they so blatantly deserved it? And if they had been in the final four and they would have won for the reasons that you said, I would have been 100% okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, first off, I'll say that I think both of you made much better cases for uh, Mike Priscilla and Shawnee Slutti than I did for Talman Molly, which I guess is just me shitposting a little. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I, th- I think that's an interesting question to ask about Mike and Priscilla and totally fair. I think the tough thing with Mike and Priscilla is that Priscilla would have had to have been so good, like so astronomically good to overcome some of the bad juju that Mike had built up over the course of the season with people from switching with people he had his affections for and very quickly, you know, going like off Leanne to Jess and then someone else, you know, so Mike's almost like too smooth for his own good. And I think that it made the genuineness of his affection tough to believe for some people toward the end. Though I did personally think that Priscilla was exactly the kind of personality he needed and that their connection was very real. Yeah. And they were together for what, like a year 
and a half year and a half about after leaving the villa hopefully they'll get back together i'm still shipping them get your shots mike yeah seriously mike what are you thinking all right so let's move into the tna report the tna report so i think we will do the declarations and then we'll talk about the live finale Sounds good to me. We got four dresses. We've also, where you're not in charge of this segment. You're right. I'm not. Sorry. We have four delicious men in tuxedos and ladies who like men and men who like men and anybody who can appreciate a fine figure and a fine outfit, men in tuxes, always thumbs up. I should bust out mine more often, apparently. Yeah. Breakfast attire. Okay, so let's talk about the dresses. We definitely had a clear winner and a clear loser. I'd agree with that. There are two that were in between. So clear winner was Demi in the pink and gold LeMay striped gown. It captures that old Hollywood glamour that she brings with her. She looks phenomenal in it. It's a gorgeous dress. It's unique. It's special. I thought the high waist also really suited her body type and her figure. Yes, high marks all around. The loser. My girl, Shawnee. That dress was boring. It was unflattering. And while it was an attempt at sophistication, it fell flat for me. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to agree. That was not flattering at all. It was boring. And in the middle, Paige and Jess. Jess looked better than usual. Jess always looks lovely in red. But, you know, it was kind of a boring dress. Paige's dress was really nice, but it didn't look particularly, like, comfortable on her. The dress wore her. She didn't wear the dress. Yeah, I almost see their two dresses or their two situations, maybe, as as a little opposite. Because I liked Jess's dress, just not on her. And I thought Paige's dress fit her very well. I just didn't love it. Logan, anything you want to mention about the uh, declaration wear? I was kind of, I was actually kind of flipped on a couple of these. I felt like I expected Demi to wear something really sparkly. And when she walked out with something sparkly, I was like, I would, I just kind of wanted something a little bit different from her. I felt the same about Jess actually doing back-to-back red numbers this episode. I agree with you guys that Shawnice's dress is boring, but what I kept thinking as she was walking out was this girl knows how to use this like rich black hair that she has to make like such a dramatic look around her face with the like big gold trapezoidal earrings. Honestly, if you just ignored the dress, Shawnice's look was sick. With the dress, it was like good. So I guess that's where I landed on it. We have that problem with Shawnice a lot. You know, she also wears the trapezoidal earrings at the live. Well, they're back to back. Final, yeah. They they don't they like take a shower. Yeah, take a shower, blow dry their hair, put their makeup back on, and yeah, I love those earrings too. I think they're fantastic. You know, if I could get away with wearing them, I I don't know, they'd be a little heavy, maybe. My favorite outfit, though, and this is a good transition from the declarations to the live portion. My favorite outfit of the night was Laura Whitmore. Yeah, in her Sergeant Pepper's Not So Lonely Hearts Club Band drum majorette suit yeah with the heart cut out you know maybe a little bit corny but completely corny but but totally appropriate for this context yes and for this specific episode too and she wore it with such confidence i was like yeah you look like kind of this sexy devil band conductor but who am i to tell you not to do this you know it was she really she really owned it 
And she had a pin in her hair that said love. It was great. The men, not so uniform, not so specifically great. I want to yell at Luke M for his stupid ass black high water pants and then the navy jacket. Yeah, what the hell is that? It's like, I'm going to wear a tuxedo, except I'm going to wear capri pants. And the other guys were not particularly memorable, except Logan. You want to talk about your guy for a second? He ate those pants, am I right? Those plaid pants. Chad is just doing it time and time again. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, Logan's going to have some feelings about that. Yeah, I'm still shopping for him, by the way. If you guys have a plug for good plaid pants, I could use it. I've been been on ASOS a lot. The girls look lovely, though. Uh, Jess wore light blue, like an icy blue for this, which I thought was, you know, different, if not great. Demi looks beautiful. You know, look, yes, she's wearing sparkles. Is it totally predictable? Sure. Does she kill it? 100%. I liked Paige's red dress with the ruffled strap. I thought that was really tango-esque. I kind of wish she had worn that earlier in the evening. It would have been a beautiful dress to dance in. But I think we can all agree on the clear winner of the finale out of the contestants. Shawnice making a dramatic turnaround. Oh, yeah. Her hair and makeup at the live final Wow. And I mean, the dress is great, too. The whole look was just so great. That little bit of volume in her hair. Not too much. Like not, you know, listen, I have curly, wavy hair, too, in the heat and humidity. Mine gets frizzed out just like Shawnee's. So no judgment. But it had just the right amount of volume. She looked amazing. The mascara did not look like creepy spiders. She looked fantastic. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I'm curious. What did you guys think of Finley and Paige when they were standing together in the live finale? Just how their outfits came together. So I actually really like Finn's outfit on its own. The jacket was my favorite piece of his outfit. Just like that classic blue-gray sport coat. But yeah, I'm not sure how well his outfit went with Paige's red dress. It was almost for me like when I saw them, it made me feel like when you sort of see like a picture of like your parents from like back in the day. And you're like, oh shit, like you guys were hot. Of course, they didn't like perfectly coordinate, you know, but but they both like looked really solid. Looking at them, I was like, Paige and Finn are like hot mom and dad. You're like finally seeing it in some old yearbook photos. So I really dug it for that preemptive nostalgia factor. Yeah, they both have this kind of classic look. So even though, you know, the red dress kind of against his more muted suit, there's a ton of contrast. It might not look like they go together. Yeah, I definitely get almost like a Mad Men vibe from the two of them. And we're also used to Shawnee's and Luke T, you know, doing absolute co-ord. Now, I should say I've never actually watched an episode of Mad Men. So it's just my perception based on, you know, my exposure via commercials. And posters. Yes. That wraps up our final TNA report of season six. Should we go into uh, our Brexit segment? We should. Something is happening. The planets are realigning. The winds of change are blowing. Mealtime trade associations are disappearing. And new ones arise from their ashes. Big changes. In these confused times, it's easy to feel unmoored. What day is it? What time is it? 
when am I allowed to eat sandwiches? Why does this frozen dessert taste like MDMA? So many questions. We exist in the liminal space between fictionalized reality and a tangential illusion we touch with our psyches, but never our fingertips. With a strange hybrid of happy birthday and New York, New York ringing in our ears. Who are we? We are they who forage the future and cultivate the path forward. We are harbingers of a new way of working, a new way of living, and a new way of building custom web applications. We are the children of the midday repast. The children of the midday repast. I just said that. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, I, I zoned out for a second. Join us. That's the one you were supposed to repeat. Oh, um, sorry again. <clears throat> Visit our global headquarters in downtown Metuchen, New Jersey, convenient to NJ Transit, and just minutes from the Outer Bridge crossing to Staten Island, or head to our digital headquarters at www.childrenofthemiddayrepast.net. So before this episode aired, I asked Becca and Logan to give me their opinion on how each of about 20 or so of the Islanders would have voted on the Brexit referendum in 2016, which of course was the referendum sent to voters on whether the UK should remain part of the European Union. They left. They are about to start dealing with all of the horrible, tragic consequences of that. So... You guys were largely right, so let's go through a few of the ones that are pretty quick, and we're going to focus on the ones where you guessed wrong, which, of course, right and wrong being decided by me. We don't actually know how these people voted. So Finn and Paige, both of you said that they voted remain. Now, Beck. No, Finn would have said, what's that, until Paige told him what to think. That's believable, and yeah, I think both of them voted remain then we've got Luke T and Shanice, our second place couple. Again, both of you guys said remain. I totally agree. Now, here is where it starts to get interesting. So let's talk about Demi. Both of you guys said remain. But Demi, in fact, voted leave. Why do you say that? So Demi voted leave because she's first she's from Portsmouth which is actually fairly conservative and one of the places that flipped from being much more labor to much more Tory around these issues of nationalism and Brexit. Even, so even though young people generally voted remain, I'm going to say Demi, who has you know very strong relationship with her family and strong roots in Portsmouth. I don't know. Maybe my argument's not 
too strong here, but no, your be- argument sucks because we live in Trump town, but we certainly wouldn't have voted for it. Oh yeah, I'm I am well aware of that. So yeah, Demi actually voted leave. You guys, I'm very sorry to be the bearer of bad news. So Luke M, Luke M. Now Logan, your opinion on Luke M was? I think he's leave, but he's quiet about it. Now why is he quiet about it? I think he's not actually super well read up on it, but he's from kind of a small town where they're just respond to reports that, you know, it'll be better for us if we leave the EU. And so as a result, he's like, ah, I guess mates leave. And then doesn't really want everyone to talk about his opinion. Now, Beck, you said that Luke M voted remain. I just don't think he's an idiot. Really? I, yeah. I want to give Luke M the benefit of the doubt. I don't think he's that stupid. I am sorry. You're wrong. Logan's right. He voted leave. I figured Logan was probably right, but I didn't want to echo everything he said because healthy debate and all. Yeah. So uh, Luke M also from a super, super conservative area, more conservative than Portsmouth. Ched and Jess, you guys are absolutely right. Both of them voted remain. Now, Jess, of course, is from Cambridge, where I think it's something like 95% of the people voted remain. Now, Mike and Priscilla, everybody said uh, that Priscilla voted remain. Now, Logan, you had a little note on that one. Yeah, because I'm confused by this, but I feel like my man Mike is saying leave. And this is a little bit because he's a police officer. He is not down with vaccination. So I think he's getting affected by some kind of media that makes me think he was leaning toward leave. And I think Priscilla is a strong remain and she is out there correcting her, her man, Mike. So, Logan, I'm afraid to tell you that you're totally wrong about Mike's vote. I know it's a very, actually very, very funny that you put that, you know, he would have some really confusing justification for voting leave because that actually is very believable. But given the fact that, you know, first, he's from London. Second, I think he is an immigrant himself. And third, that he and Priscilla became, you know, very vocal and active in leftist or at least progressive black British politics after leaving the show makes me think that he is pretty firmly in the remain camp, even though he's an anti-vaxxer. Happy to be wrong about this one. Yeah, good. Yeah, me, me, I'm happy you're wrong too. So Callum and Molly. Now Callum, you guys both said that he voted leave. And then Logan, you said he would be very loud about it. I mean, this is definitely typecasting, but first and I don't know, the first through like 27th thing we learn about Callum is that he's a scaffolder from Manchester. And I feel like he's just in a in an environment where a lot of people are complaining about the European Union and immigration. So I think he's planting his flag on the leave side of things. Yeah, I think that's right. We are we're all in agreement there. How does Molly feel about that? I, I think Molly is remain in her heart, but when Callum gets animated about this, she just kind of nods along, but won't necessarily say anything to disagree with them, which again, probably guilty of typing there, but um, something's keeping them happy. And I can't imagine that, that they had a big knockout, drag out fight about Brexit. So to wrap all of this up, I think there were some funny ones here. So first of all, all of us assumed that Natalia voted leave and basically for the reason that just she sucks. She's selfish. Yeah. Shauna, no surprise. We all voted. She voted leave. 
because we heard about her political work and the fact that she is a Piers Morgan fan. And similarly, Kana with a G. Now, you guys seem to have forgotten that Kana with a G is also a Piers Morgan fan. Yeah, but I like him, so stop. (laughs) I like Connor with a G. You guys are both wrong. He did not vote remain. He voted leave. Now, Connor Derman, Beck, I know you don't like him. I don't like him. You said he would vote leave. He said some really racist shit after leaving the show. Totally. Therefore, he is a racist. Therefore, he said leave. Though, I don't think it's like American politics where racial views, conservative racial views map so neatly and closely because Connor actually voted remain though largely because he's just not that political and lives in an area that's like 85% voted remain. I thought his interest as a coffee merchant would exceed his nativism. And he was like, you know what? England's a tea country. Rest of Europe is a coffee place. I got to be able to do business in the single European market. Wow, that's a really, really good point. Yeah, Connor's business interests certainly sent him that direction. So, you know, we said, obviously, Nas, our hero of the season, voted remain. Rebecca, the worst Rebecca, our villain of the season, she obviously voted leave. And of course, Ollie, the rich aristocrat, voted leave as well. And the rest of the Islanders we had as remainers. I think that tracks. So Islanders, as you're listening to this segment back, just, you know, send us an email, littlebitleaveitpodcast at gmail.com to let us know how you actually voted. Um, A lot of them probably weren't even old enough to vote. Yeah. Now I'm looking at that. Jess and Eve were like in high school. Sophie. Demi. Rebecca. Natalia. Yeah. None of them would have been able to. Finn would not have been able to vote. Potentially Luke as well. What's the voting age in England? Is it 18? Do we know that? We don't know that. Yeah, we don't know that. Whatever. We do a lot of research for this podcast podcast but we can't research everything but it's people. really sporadic yeah that's true we've been so, on vacation for like two weeks so i know yeah we didn't even tell you guys we went to rehoboth and we went to see guns and roses anyway let's move into our final segment Yes, the final segment of the final podcast of Love Island UK season six. We're going to be talking about our awards for the season. So our first award goes to the muggiest Islander. And the nominees are Rebecca, Callum, Jess, and Natalia. And the winner is... Don't you got to say like the envelope, please, or something? That'll take a really long time. Okay. And the winner is... The worst, Rebecca. Was there even an argument? No, there was not. Callum's mugginess had a point. Jess was growing. And Natalia, I don't even want to dignify her with an award. Rebecca, time and time again, showed her mugginess. She drove the plot. Rebecca wins. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, it's the award for the biggest mug. The nominees are Luke M., Demi, and Shawnice. Logan, can you tell us, who is the biggest mug of this season? The biggest mug from season six is none other than Baby Bieber, Luke M. I mean, he did it to himself by sticking to Natalia that whole time. Well, and Jess before that. Jess wasn't entirely his fault, but Natalia, he really dug his own grave. Yeah. He dug his own cup. The man's on top of the world now. He looks very happy with an Islander from a different season. So kudos to him. He's all right. Next up, it is... The Best Teeth Award. And this year, the nominees are Original Connor. And the winner is OG Connor. There really wasn't a contest. We just wanted to make one last joke about his goddamn teeth. 
There it is. They're great. So in the spirit of Connor, our next award for the best Connor, which could be interpreted in a variety of different ways. So the nominees are Original Connor, Connor with a G, and Shauna. There is no clear-cut winner for this. Yeah. So what do you guys think? Well, you all know my bias. 100%. The best Connor would have to be Shauna, who conned all of us with her time in the villa. Very deceitful play. I could go at length about the many reasons why I think Shauna sucks. I will not. But let it be known that I think she deserves this award. Heads and shoulders above the rest. I think we're going to go with you. Yeah. We will award best Connor to Shauna. Yes. So Shauna is the best Connor of season six. This one is is a really prestigious one. It's the Comeback Player of the Year Award. Those nominees are Mike, Luke M, Jess, and Demi. And the winner is Mike for both being the Player of the Year and for coming back from a really rough start, as you mentioned before, to end as a guy we'd all want to be friends with and some of us would consider dating. Yeah, if not for his crazy anti-vax well, beliefs. at the end of the series, based on what we saw on the telly, he is the comeback player of the year. All right, let's go to an award that Logan came up with, the Casa Amor More Award, which is given to the Islander or the Casa Amorian, who we think would have made a great original Islander. The nominees are Eva, Scottish Jamie, Biggs, Ched, and George. Who? So, yeah, exactly. George. Who? <laughs> okay, Logan, who, who's the winner here? I was really tempted to say Jade from Yom, just so you guys could uh, have one last, one last time shouting her out. I'm going to go with a real dark horse here. I was tempted to pick Eva. I'm going to say Scottish Jamie. The, the case for her, pretty thin. But basically, in Casa Amor, all the boys kept saying that, that Jamie was really cool. But she got very little screen time, didn't seem to catch any of their fancy. So I just by proxy, I'm thinking that if all these boys, who I think are pretty solid, thought that she was cool, that she would have been a pretty great original Islander. I support the award. Good on you, Scottish Jamie. It's one for Scotland. And who doesn't need more Scottish people on the island? Yeah, I, I'm down with that. Scottish Jamie gets the Casa Amor More Award for season six. And let's get to the Chris Hughes Emotional Growth Award, which is given to the Islander who has the most personal growth and emotional development over the course of a season. And the nominees this year are Callum, Paige, and Nas. So our winner, and this was a pretty tight one, I think, was Paige. I think Callum had a strong argument behind him. He dried out. He was not nearly as wet of a wipe at the end, but he still couldn't overcome being Callum. Whereas Paige was likable and lovable all the way through. She declared in her last episodes, the ice queen has melted. A great change has come. She was super excited about their future together. They're still together. I think that Paige really got over herself and became a woman in the way we needed to see. That sounded weird. Yeah, she became a woman on live TV. We all witnessed it. So speaking of becoming a woman. Or a grown ass person, whatever. It's time for the award for the best feminist. The nominees are Jess, Ched, Finn, and Luke T. 
I mean, the winner here is fairly obvious. It's going to be Finn. Because he's the one who said feminist. But I think in a real award, any of those could have taken it. Yeah. Ched in particular seems to have a pretty good understanding of gender relations. The real winner of this award is feminism in that more people were exposed to it through this show. That means we're all going home winners tonight. Thank you, New York. (laughs) So now it is time for, Beck, these are your favorite awards, right? Yes. So we have the TNA MVP. The best dressed Islander of the season. And the nominees are Shawnee, Luke T, Mike, and Priscilla. This was a hard one, but I think... Flipping back through all 36 episodes, there's only one clear winner, and that is Shawnee, who knows how to create a look, is not afraid to experiment, very fashion forward, very versatile. She could almost win this award just for her sunglasses. On the flip side, let's talk about the TNA LVP, the person who made us shake our head, close our eyes, and cringe the most number of times. The nominees for that are Shawnee. Jess and Sophie for those goddamn divorcee outfits. See, I liked Sophie's blazers, but I get that. But this is not my everybody. segment. Yes, it's your segment. And the loser slash winner is Shawnee for that goddamn green sack dress at the Casa Recoupling. And all the other times she made me shake my head and say, Shawnee, what are you doing? Yeah, it's really true. She's got some of the best outfits and the worst outfits this season. But she's also got the nipple top. It's just, it's funny with her because all the reasons that she gets LVP make her MVP more deserving. You know, you're like, she takes risks. And so you like bump her up a little bit more. So yeah, she's got this category on lock on both sides. She is the Bjork of the season. I would love to see her in a swan dress. We didn't even think of a name for the awards, right? That's all right. We did this this morning. What do you want from us? The Ollies. (laughs) So final award for the season. It's time to name. I know you've all been waiting. Edge of your seats here. The Islander of the Year. And the nominees are Shawnee, Mike, Nas, Shauna, and Luke T. And the winner for the Islander of the Year is... Did we discuss this? I don't know. Did I write this down or did you write this down? You wrote this down. Oh. So, you sure? Yeah, this is. Just I all, agree with it. This is all Ben. I don't think I would have done this. Is this Logan? <laughs> Did you sneak this in? I don't think so, but I do agree with it. All right. Well, the winner, based on the ghosts that wrote this, is Luke T. I guess he's the Islander of the Year. Congratulations, Luke T. I don't disagree. I just don't necessarily agree either. See, I was like, Mike is Mike the Islander of the Year? No. I kind of, I don't know. Is Shauna though? Yeah, Shauna has a good argument for being the Islander of the Year. But, ooh. But I guess, you know, in the sense that Luke T with the whole like scavenger hunt fairy tale thing, he at least did bring a new twist and level of cringe to that Love Island trope. Fuck it. I think Luke T tapped into our Google Drive and wrote this himself. And you know what? For that level of IT mastery... Luke T, you can take it home, buddy. He deserves it. It's funny for him, right? Because he's not like the person the whole season centers around. He's not like his romance isn't like always the most interesting. He's just like a solid B plus, A minus across like kind of every category. 
and on aggregate, you're like, yeah, I suppose that is correct. But like Shauna moves a lot more pieces throughout the season for sure. She has a lot more gravity, but I'll be damned if I'm giving her, <laughs> her this award. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you make a really good point because Luke, he mentors the other guys when they need mentoring. He asks for help when he needs help. He dresses pretty well most of the time. He had a couple big screw ups, but largely was really, really well dressed. He was just cool. And really good to Shaunice and honest. And I love his parents. And I think his parents did a really amazing job raising him. And, you know, he's a good boy. I hope our other sons turn out to be like Luke T. Yeah. So we'll have like one Finn and one Luke T. Oh, that'd be so cute. I guess we should rename them. All right. Yeah. Is that all we've got? I mean, that was a lot. That was a lot to got. Yeah, that was a lot to get. The cat's lunches lady sitting outside the door howling for the last hour. Yes, our cats are starving. So, yeah, we're wrapping up this season of Little Bit Leave It as we wrap up this season of Love Island UK. And we have some people that we need to thank. So, first, we'd like to thank... Our patrons, Jonathan, Alex, Adeline, we should have been thanking you on every episode since each of you signed up, but the fact that anyone is entertained enough by what we're doing to throw us a few bucks is one of the coolest things that we could have hoped for. You know, it's all about the love for us, of course, but this podcast is a ton of work, believe it or not, and it was good for us to feel like we had people who were counting on us releasing that next episode, not just on time, but a day or two earlier than the public release, because that's what we promised in our patron benefits. Yeah, I know it seems like we're really lazy and sloppy and haphazard, but it takes a lot of work to look that terrible. We really want to thank all of our listeners. When we started this podcast, it was really just for fun. We hoped people would listen, but like, honestly, we didn't do it to get a real listenership. This season, we've had regular listeners on every continent but Antarctica. And our second largest audience by country after the United States is in India. We've made the Apple podcast charts in Canada, Ireland, the UK, France, Australia, New Zealand, number five and South Africa in multiple categories. Who would have thought that a TV recap slash pop culture slash history slash geography slash fashion slash comedic audio drama podcast had such international appeal? Next, there were a number of people who came on and made the show much more interesting than we ever could. First, our one and only special guest co-host, Logan. We have enjoyed having you back today, and you have made two of the most important episodes of this season much more fun and interesting and exciting. So thank you. Thank you both so much. Let me know when we're going to do this in seven, season eight, season all the way to the moon. And of course, I also want to thank our guest interviews, Jacob Waller, Parker James, and Billy Joe Gibson. You guys anchored some really great episodes and... Hey, if you are still listening, go listen to their podcasts, which are Big Yellow Praxis, a music podcast, the Modern Proposal podcast, which is kind of literary satire and political, and the 0151 Club Scousecast, which is all about Liverpool. And a very special thank you to Kathy and Joel from Worldwide Casting, who gave us a lot of insight into the reality TV industry that we would not have found anywhere else since i have not yet made my grand reality tv debut 
We also want to thank Sky Rats Comedy. Sometimes we get a little overambitious. We hope to have Friend Island published by now. You're all in for a huge treat when we finally put out this insane collaboration. If you have not figured it out by now, we collaborated with the Sky Rats, an improv team, to create a week of the fake reality show. Fake? It's fake? No, no, it's real. It's a real reality show. Friend Island. We are very excited for this addition to the Lunch Council Expanded Cinematic Universe, featuring the one and only Jeff McIntyre. And finally, a big thanks to Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com, Shane Ivers of SilvermanSound.net, Raphael Crux, and Kevin McLeod for providing royalty-free music for our ads through the season. Aren't you forgetting someone? Um, who? I don't know. Maybe your production engineer, the person who spent God knows how many beautiful days trapped inside editing audio files that made this podcast sound like it could have actually been professional. The person who made this podcast better than the actual TV show, according to my college roommate. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Thank you, honey. Thank you so much for everything you do. No, thank you. Really, seriously. This has been an amazing thing to create with you. It is almost like our child. And in true middle child fashion, we are getting ready to ignore it for a little while when we have a new baby in early 2022. Yep. Mid-January, we are bringing a new member to the Little Bit Leave It podcast family. So... We will be putting out things here and there. We still have to finish up season seven. We've got a couple ideas for great one-off episodes, but come later this year, I'm going on maternity leave and we will resurface sometime next spring or summer. Yeah, we got probably about 12 more weeks or so of content to release. Friend Island will be part of it. We're going to do a British candy taste test before I have to do my gestational diabetes test. Yeah, so we got some fun stuff planned. And of course, you can get all of it if you sign up at patreon.com. Though now that we told you we're going to be going on hiatus in early 2022, not sure why you would. Kids are expensive. Send us money. (laughs) Yeah, so send us money. But in the meantime, you can always reach us. You can hit us up on the socials. So, Logan, how can the people reach you on social media? Uh, Twitter's best. I'm at LGNCTN on Twitter. Excellent. And on Twitter, I am at LBLI podcast. And you can also email the podcast at littlebitleaveitpodcast at gmail.com. I mean, I'm on Facebook. You can find me. I don't know what you want to say to me. I don't really know what's worth talking about with me. But if you want any child rearing tips. Yeah, leave them on the Little Bit Leave It podcast page. Look for them there. Exactly. We can talk about all the baby episodes and who I would be most likely to let babysit my children. So, Logan, why don't you take us home? And from Staten Island to Love Island. Don't be scared to touch yourself.